This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the 147 podcast with me, sports MC Phil Seymour, and him, the former Triple Crown winner and snooker world champion, the magician, Sean Murphy. And it's the day after the final of the Masters, and what a final it was, Sean. Yeah, hi Phil, hi everybody. Yeah, what a fabulous, fabulous final it was. What a great tournament it was, um, just in general, but yeah, the final... I thought really lived up to expectations. I think possibly uh, the best final of the season so far. What did you think? Yeah, I'd agree one hundred percent. It's um, it, often finals do fall flat, don't they? You know, when we get a really good final, it's it's something special. Um, and often they do fall a bit flat. Last night did not at all. I mean, that could have gone either way, couldn't it? It was what we down to a best of three at one point, which is you know tremendous, isn't it? It's it's, it's great to see. Like you said, the whole week snooker needed it. Okay, let's let's not beat around the bush. Snooker needed the Masters to be great. The Masters was great. Absolutely, yeah. But you know, was it any? Was it ever going to be any different? You know, the best players on the planet, um, plus two substitutes. Uh, you know, it was always going to deliver, wasn't it? If we're honest, uh, one table, two thousand screaming fans, uh, the Century Club, the VIP hospitality. Um, it's got that elite um, sort of je ne sais quoi about it, hasn't it? Um, it's just a fabulous, fabulous setup. Uh, I thought it was one of the best tournaments uh, that I've ever attended, you know, um, as a player, as a fan, as a pundit. I thought everything was, was first class. And um, uh, it's a real shame that not every tournament is like that. But of course, you know, not every tournament can be. Uh, and then we'd, we'd just be getting spoiled, wouldn't we, then? Yeah, we would. I, I, it, it was great. I mean, it was my first time at Ali Pali last Sunday. As, as we said in the last podcast, I was going down to cheer Neil Roberts, to cheer you on, Sean. And um, <laughs> I was lucky enough to be up in the Century Club in the in the hospitality, but I was invited up there. 
um, <laughs> doing dry January, that is not easy because literally you walk up the steps and you get handed a glass of champagne. And I was like, oh, no, thanks very much. I'll have a, an orange juice. Uh, I'm dying inside as I'm saying that, obviously. And then the bar's free for the entire session that you're there. You have a sit-down meal. I think I had like a, a duck terrine to start with. I had a steak for my, uh, for my main cut. This is all while you're battling it out with Neil Robertson on the table, by the way. I'm just there having my nice, you know, three-course meal. And it was lovely. It was so civilised. I know it's not cheap. You know, let's... I'm not daft. I'm a I'm a normal working man, the same as everyone else, and it's not cheap up there. If you can afford it, do you know what? Treat yourself. Whether it's a Christmas present, a birthday present, whatever, just treat yourself because you're in a, a box up there so you can talk while you're watching the snooker. You can eat, you can drink, the bar's all paid for. It really was fantastic. I've, I've got to say that. Um up there, I was having my, having my dinner, sat next to Joe Johnson and Cliff Thorburn, which was lovely. Never met Cliff before. I know Joe quite well. Joe's a lovely guy. Um, there was Jason Ferguson in there. There's Steve Dawson in there. All the, the top brass from World Snooker Tour. Uh, Simon Brown, the chief executive. And yeah, it was it was fantastic. If you ever get the chance to anyone out there, try it. Just, just treat yourself. Just go for one session. I only went for the afternoon. Try it for a session. It was brilliant. And of course, you won. I know, I know. Everything's rosy in the world when I win, Phil. Which it made Everyone's it even better. When I win. What an atmosphere when you walked out, though. I mean, what an atmosphere. No, it was it was phenomenal, um, and I was really looking forward to that. I have to say that that intro into the Alley Pally is, um, you know, one of the best walks that we do as snooker players uh, throughout the season in all of the arenas we play in around the world. Uh, that is one of the best. And um, yeah, I was a bit nervous stood at the top of the stairs. You know, you go through your warm-up routine, which was really weird, actually. I'll just share this with you. It was so funny because, you know, I'm very sort of diligent with my preparation and uh, like to be there, you know, in good time. And I get all my shirt, my shirt pressed and, you know, polish my shoes and all the rest in the dressing room. And at the Masters, we were allowed 10 minutes on the match arena table to warm up. And they've got the practice tables backstage, you know, playing at what I was there at 11 and practices it, all of that stuff. It got to 25 to 1. Neil Robertson wasn't in the building. <laughs> Didn't he forget his cue? Is that right? Did he? <laughs> yeah. I think, he, I think he forgot Surely his not. cue. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. That's well, that has got to be the most Neil Robertson thing ever, hasn't it? I remember, um, I, I think it was a couple of days after he ran out of fuel. He ran out of fuel in his car at Milton Keynes, and um, he was he was at home and he turned up late the next this this day to play. And um, Miller, his, his his wife messaged me and just just put, "Has he arrived?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's just got here now, and he'd forgotten either his waistcoat or his bow tie. I can't remember which." <laughs> But as a snooker player, what what have you got to remember? Okay, waistcoat, bow tie, cue, and cue. Yeah, tick. He forgot his cue. What a, what an absolute legend! I mean, I think only Robbo could do that, really, couldn't he? Well, it, I think only Robbo. I think only Robbo could do it and then turn up and play. You know, half decent. I think he's the only one who could just you know break every rule in the preparation manual um, and still walk out and look like and perform like a. You know the champion that he is, but it was funny because Martin Clark, one of the tournament directors, uh, and of course former pro himself, leads me out into the arena to do my little ten-minute warm-up at just gone half past uh, half past twelve, 
Uh, and uh, I said, oh, is, is Neil following me on? He said, uh, he said um, Neil's not actually on on site yet. <laughs> I said, oh, oh no. <laughs> uh, I said, what? What, what happens if, you know, what happens in this situation? He said, well, he said, you'll be very happy. By quarter past one, you'll be a very happy man. My goodness me, imagine that. It was horrendous. That, so, yeah. could, you, could you imagine that, Ali Pally? I mean, that if he just hadn't turned up, or if he turned up like half an hour late, or, I mean, that would have been carnage, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I think we can only count ourselves lucky that he did turn up, because otherwise, you know, the crowd would have been subjected to another one of those Ken Doherty exhibitions. Or a 20-minute moonwalk demonstration by Sean Murphy. That's what it would have been. Yeah, the ins and outs of moonwalking (laughs) and avoiding TV camera cables on the floor. Yeah, that's going to be an obstacle, uh, one which I've yet to fix. But, yeah, no, um, you know, you get to the back of the stairs and you wait to come into the arena. Um, The roar from the Ali Pali crowd is iconic. Uh, And uh, this time was no different. Uh, It took me a little while to settle. Um, but uh, do you know? Do you know? On the quiet, I actually played really well in the match. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, had a, I had a small little wobble at five-one, which led to five-two. Then Neil played out of his skin for two frames, and before I knew where I was, it looked as if we were going to five each. But uh, I had a good break uh, to sort of set up the victory uh, of six-four, and um, was was really really pleased with that. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a great day. Great day. That's, that's the thing with those top level players. Now I will count you in there as well with um, the likes of Neil Judd, um, you know Selby, Ronnie, uh, Willow. You you can be five one up, blink your eyes and it's five three five four. You know they they literally can just get to the table and just bang 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 you there. You you've lost a couple of frames just like that. And how do you cope with that? How how do you sort of recompose yourself? Because you you had to. I mean you were you were at the finishing line. And then all of a sudden, he just came steaming back, didn't he? Do you just have to regroup after each frame, or how does it work? Yeah, it's that old cliche of literally just taking one ball at a time, one frame at a time, not thinking about, well, I only need one more to win. You know that you, you know that they're the they're the wrong things to focus on. You've got to just focus on um, the things that are within your control, which is you know making good decisions uh, and, and trying to stay calm. That, that's the only real thing you're in control of when you're out there. As your emotions and the decisions that you make, um, I'm not in control of what he does, uh, and and and, the, and the, the balls that he pots or the shots that he plays, uh, and as I, I can't remember specifically what it was, but I think I missed, you know, a, a handful of shots in the um, seventh frame to get the match one six one, um, and then you know the snooker gods turn on you a little bit, and as I say, he he just went from playing, um, you know, quite poorly by his standards. Uh, to then, you know, he went into full peacock mode, uh, strutting around the table like he does, uh, and he looked great then to five four, and it, and it looked for all the world as if it was going to a decider. Um, but um, it happened many years ago, actually, against Selby in the same round in the same tournament where I was five one up, and within an hour it was five each. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I did manage to get over the line that day as well. So I suppose you just draw from those good memories. Uh, that you know, you, it is that old-fashioned saying: one ball at a time, one shot at a time, and uh, hopefully you'll be shaking his hand as the winner. You know, I'm I'm really glad you said that, that Neil looked great there because as a snooker fan, okay, which I am, I'm a snooker fan who's, who's fortunate enough to work occasionally in snooker. Neil Robertson in full flight is a great thing to watch. You know, I I, I wouldn't like to be playing him. I would not like to be sat in the other chair. But when he is, like you say, he gets the strut, doesn't he? 
and a lot of the players do it. Judd Jud had it last night in the final. Um, in, I think, was it the last frame or the penultimate frame? All of a sudden, you saw, and the, I think the commentators mentioned it. I think it was yourself and was it JP, John Parrott, last night? You mentioned yeah. it. He speeded up. Yeah, he noticeably quickened up. He All of a sudden, he went from plodding to bang, 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 bang. And you, you see the referee sort of running around. Marcel was running around trying to get the balls back on the table because he's literally, he plays a shot, and by the time it's in the pocket, he's back down ready for the next shot. And you think... He he does speed up, but Neil in full flight is is quite a thing to behold. Just as a spectacle, like you say, he, he struts and he he plays with real grace. I think, but you beat him anyway. And then a player you certainly couldn't control in the quarterfinal, Stuart Bingham. How good was he in that match? Right, just unplayable, frankly. Um, you know, and it's uh, a source of you know some frustration uh, to me this season. It's happened four times to yeah. me now. This. Uh, where I've walked into somebody who's just played played unbeatable snooker. Um, and I said it in the press conference after, you know, I was full of praise for Stuart. Uh, and I just went on to say that, you know, that is one of the things that makes snooker a unique sport. Um, because as I'm potting balls against you, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And uh, when, you, when you play your shot and walk back to your chair, you may not get another visit to the table. And, and there are very few other sports in the world um, that operate like that. You know, most sports you can tackle your opponents or you can try and outmaneuver them. Or in golf, you'll hit the ball, you'll go find it, you'll hit it again. In tennis, you're always going to hit me the ball back. In darts, you always get another three darts in 30 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it might be. In snooker, you, you play a shot and you hope that you'll get to play. Yeah. And uh, you know, on most occasions, of course, you do. But uh, against Stuart, you know, my, my mistakes were, I think I probably made two mistakes in the whole match. Can I? I lost yeah, I want to address something as well. He, um, Stuart said in his post-match that, that you were lucky to get nil. Obviously, jokingly. Yeah. And But the thing is, that's a line you would come out with. You you would have said yourself, after that, I was lucky to get nil in that match. He, he got a load of grief online from people saying, oh, you know, are you cocky, you're arrogant, blah, blah, blah. And to, yeah, yeah, to the point that he actually felt the need to put a video out explaining what he meant and and in the video he said he said look it was a joke it was a joke he said the same as if if he'd had pumped me six nil i would have been interviewed afterwards and said i was lucky to get nil out there he said it was just that he said it was just the person on the other end saying it. he said that's all it was it was purely a joke and it was come on people on social media seriously just get a grip of yourselves just just think a little bit do you really think he's going to do that and then seriously say that afterwards in a nasty way? There's no, whatever you may or may not think of Stuart, there's no way on God's earth he's going to do that. So it's sad, I think, that he felt the need to put that out, but I can see absolutely why he did. But it was a joke. Come on, people, lighten up a bit. That's mad because I, I must have missed that. But um, uh, yeah, I, I heard that, you know, he was lucky to get Bill comment. I thought it was quite funny, yeah. to be fair. I thought it was quite funny. <laughs> Um, you know, it's the type of thing that you, you know, it's the type of bands that you get in the snooker clubs, and you know, from the old days in the clubs we all grew up in. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite funny. Um, actually, listen, you know, we live in an age where uh, if I if I go on Twitter now and tell somebody it's Monday, somebody will tell me that uh, I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> that that that's that's uh, that's the world we live in. So you know, you will never ever please everybody. Um, there is always somebody to disagree with anything you might say in the public domain, both 
that's just something you know we have to get we have to get used to and, and just deal with it in the, in this in this age we're living in it is but social media does have positives as well and we had some very very happy followers of at 147 pod all over social media because you very kindly Sean had some spare tickets so we gave them away on Twitter didn't we we gave them to some lucky followers for your uh, which one was it the the was it the well, I only had two matches yeah that's true you did <laughs> Yeah, this is very true, actually. Yeah, we, we gave tickets away for both. Um, I think three for one, two for the other. And the people went at a great time. There was, there was, I think the guy that won the first ones, him and his friends had booked for the evening session. And we put out on social media, we got three tickets. I think it was retweet, reply, whatever on Twitter. And this guy won the tickets and him and his mates went for the whole day and they had a great time. They, they shared pictures and videos of them in there, in the queue zone, having a knock in there. And yeah, brilliant. And Make sure you're following us. Follow us. We're everywhere at 147pod. That's the words 147pod. If we ever get a chance to do something like that again, we will do it. You know, it went down very well. People seemed happy with it. And like I said, the people at one, very, very lucky people, obviously, but they got to go to uh, to Ali Pali, to the Masters, and they had a great time. So make sure you're following us on there. So the final then, Judd against Willow last night. Yeah, what what a game that was. And I'm really glad for Judd. Um... Again, social media, everyone's got an opinion. Opinions are like bottoms. Everyone's got one, most of them smell. And he gets a lot of stick for not winning majors. Um, I listened earlier on to Dave Hendon's podcast, Snooker Scene podcast. And he said on there that he, he sees people, when Judd won the German Masters, saying, oh, yeah, but you've won the wrong one. You've won the German Masters. He said, yeah, but this week it was the German Masters. <laughs> What's he meant to do, win something else this week? He said, you know, it's crazy. Judd Trump is one of the best snooker players on the planet. He's right up there. And there's only one Masters every year. There's only one UK Championship every year. There's only one Crucible every year. There's only one person can win each of those every year. He won the Masters last night, and he looked really, really good in doing so in the final. But my word, he was lucky against Ryan Day. Well, similarly to um, the English Open winner, Mark Selby, who said to you a number of times post-match interviews that he shouldn't have been there. Um, Judd shouldn't have been there. Just Sorry, just you know, remind me why Selby shouldn't have been in the final of the English Open, Sean. Just. It was some player, there was some <laughs> player who uh, shall remain nameless um, who had an opportunity to win and just couldn't bring himself to do it. There was some, some... I think this, I think this lad used to be decent. He used to be pretty good. Um, not quite as good anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, there's absolutely no question. I mean, I think I commentated on the match. Judge should have lost the match to Ryan Day should have beaten Judge Trump. Absolutely no question about it. And um, a penny for Ryan's thoughts. Uh, you know, sat watching the snooker last night, as I'm sure he was, um, thinking about what could have been and, and, and chances missed because he had chance after chance after chance to put Judge to bed. And, um, you know, for whatever reason... Uh, be it, uh, you know, a technical flaw in his game or shot selection or just between the ears, couldn't bring himself to do it. Um, I think Barry Hawkins played him in the next round. Um, Barry Hawkins definitely should have beat him again. Um, and, you know, at that point, some of the pundits were saying, goodness me, you know, he, he survived two scares like that, hasn't played anywhere near his best, yet he's still here. Uh, maybe his name was on the trophy. Um, and, uh, you know, cometh the hour, cometh the man when he needed his 
best snooker. There was no question he played his best snooker of the week in the final, uh, and arguably um, the best snooker of the final in the last two or three frames of it. So um, that's what winners do. That's what champions do. Um, you know, it's the cliches. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. And, um, you know, we had a great week of snooker, as we've mentioned before, and the last man standing was Judd Trump. Yeah, Certainly was, and he, he certainly did. A word for Mark Williams, though. He, for me, he played the best snooker all week. Um, you know, he got he lost in the final, and, and Judd played the best snooker in the final. But when you look at the tournament as a whole, Mark Williams was superb this week, and it makes me think. I hate to say it, but it's a long way away as the Crucible yet. But I'm looking at the Mark Williams that played this week at Ali Pali. He's going to be tough to beat in Sheffield, and I mean he is. He is going to be one one of the players that to beat there really because if he carries that kind of form on for a few months, I tell you what, you do not want him in the draw. You don't want him at the Crucible, do you? Well, rewind nine months, he was one frame from being in the final again. Yep. Um, so you know, course and distance, um, and uh, he's a, he is a player to watch. He he, he will, uh, I'm sure, feature in the final stages of more events between now and the end of the season. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Come the World Championships in April, when you're making your list of potential winners, you know Mark J. Williams, he'll be in the top five of everyone's list. Um, uh, you know, three-time champion. Uh, as I say, one frame away from the final uh, nine months ago. Um, should have been in the final of the Masters last year. Uh, was in the final of the Masters this year. You know, he he he, he does like to play himself down a lot, but. But there's no getting away from the fact that he is still one of the best players in the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, who, who, who's to say that if he can if he can keep up that consistency, um, it'll take a performance like Judd performed last night to stop him. It will. So just advance notice to all the kebab shops in Sheffield. It looks like Willow could be there for a while during the world, so you might want to stock up on kebab meat, Donna meat, now. Okay, get those orders in. <laughs> Right then, now, we mentioned social media there and the Masters. Um, hate to say it, Sean, I saw you getting a load of stick again about playing and commentating at the same event. It must get grating, that. Yeah, I, it's it's a very strange one. I mean, I, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't get uh, as involved as I used to on social media in terms of, you know, arguing the point with everyone and answering every, uh, you know, tweet and point question. You'd just be on there all day. Um, uh, so you can't you, you can't do that. But I, I, I must admit, I, I'm absolutely baffled um, by the level of vitriol uh, and the level of scorn by from a lot of people around this subject. Um, I, I, I'm not sure whether it's a case of uh, you know I'm doing a bit more stuff, obviously with the commentary and the the studio analysis. And therefore, maybe some other people who they're more used to seeing um, and maybe prefer seeing or hearing uh, aren't doing as much. That, you know, they are, I wonder if it's that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that the uh, content of what I say uh, in the commentary box um, is that offensive. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's what I'm saying that's causing people to be outraged. Um and I, I, but I just don't understand this. Uh, you know, you're playing in the event. You shouldn't be in the commentary box. Uh, 
you know side of the I just it's not something I understand um you know I think I think there's a lot of people out there who've got frankly no idea at all about what goes on at snooker events and you know the practice schedules of players and how much time you can spend I think there's a there's a feeling out there that you know I should be in the practice room 10 hours a day um you know which isn't allowed you know you're not allowed to do that <laughs> otherwise we would be doing that um, you know, and of course, you know, I, I get my two practice slots a day that I'm allowed to book. I would never let any of these other commitments interfere with that. I did an interview with Phil Haig before the uh, before the Masters began, where I said, you know, listen, guys, you know, as the pro, I, and I, you know, I, I reiterate what I said to Phil. I, I take no pleasure in saying this, but it has. It's almost got to the ridiculous stage now. As the professional, I'm going to have to pull rank, and I'm going to have to say that. I know best here, um, and I, I would never do anything uh, that I felt was going to harm uh, my career or harm my chances of performing to a high level in any given tournament. Um, I played Neil Robertson on the Sunday afternoon, um, and I uh, I think I commentated that night. I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, obviously didn't work before the first match, and then I didn't play again until the Friday night. I think, and I did some form of either commentary or studio analysis every day. Um, and I really don't understand uh, what, what, where or what people have a problem with that. There are lots of other players who do it as well. I don't see O'Sullivan getting any of this grief from anyone who watches the Eurosport coverage. I don't, I, I never, I didn't see anyone going back through the timelines uh, uh, and criticizing Dennis Taylor when he used to play in the 80s. He's been commentating since the late 70s, as has John Virgo. All these household favourites, they were doing it too. Um, Steve Davis dabbled with it in the 80s. Uh, so have many, many other players who were still playing and went on to have a successful career. Um, I feel like I'm having to defend myself all the time, which isn't where I want to be. Um, but, it, but it, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And... Uh, I don't know what to make of it. What do you think of it? Do you know, I think the one time, and, and we, we talked about this off off podcast, um, the one time I had a bit of an issue with it was was when you did it, I think was it the morning when you were playing in the afternoon and the evening, but you've admitted yourself since. You know, that, that was, yeah, that, that didn't make sense. That that was nonsensical to do that. But realistically, you, you played Neil Robertson while I was there at Ali Pali. You finished your match, you won your match, you had a little break, then you went in the comms box in the evening. Well, what are you going to do in the evening? There's not many players who are going to play in the afternoon in what, however many frames it was, 10 frames or 9 frames, whatever it was, and then go on the practice table all evening. I think most players would probably go out, have a curry, have a few beers, whatever. But I, I, I don't see why anyone would have an issue with that. You know, you for me, when you're at an event, you you sort of at the event anyway. Um, and like you say, you can't practice 10 hours a day. So you've got to fill fill your time with something. Now... What would people rather you fill your time with? Because let's face it, some players in in history and, and possibly not history have spent that time gambling. They spent that time doing things they really shouldn't be doing. And you know, if you're spending your time commentating on a tournament you're at, you're learning more about other players who you might then play against. Well, for me, that that can be as valuable as practice. You know. I, I, <laughs> 
It's social media again. It's social media, Sean. You, you mentioned there about Dennis and, and Steve, etc. Et there was no social media then. You know, there wasn't Twitter. There wasn't Instagram. There wasn't Facebook. There wasn't TikTok, whatever else. It, it wasn't there, and, and now it is, and it gives people a voice. And the same with, with Stuart having to speak out about what he said in his post-match. I think it's wrong that you have to, but you do have to. And, and you know, I, I think you're sort of right to, but you shouldn't have to do that, really. It's, I just think it's a bit sad, to be honest. As I say, I think I suppose I suppose what I'd like to get some clarity on, um, and I'm not asking for feedback right now on this. I just suppose I'd love to understand it at some stage. Is whether people have an issue with the content of what I'm saying, and they they just disagree with it, um, or whether it's the fact that they feel as if me being part of you know the team that's broadcasting uh, is detrimental to my chances of winning a snooker match or a snooker tournament. I suppose I don't, I don't know which I'm not not sure which argument people are trying to make. Right. Well, do you, do you know what I'll 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 say this. I'm on a few different snooker groups on social media and that kind of thing, and and I try and be positive on them all the time. There's one thing I've noticed on there: whoever's commentating, someone hates them. Okay, whether that's you, whether that's Phil Yates, whether it's Dave Hendon, Phil Studd, John Parrott, John Vogel, whoever it is, someone hates them. All right, that someone will post and they'll post and they'll post whatever platform it's on. They will go on and on every single time that person's on. He's on again. He's doing this. He's doing that. Okay, I saw a lot of positive comments about your commentary actually, and you know, I I won't give you a, a compliment unnecessarily, as you well know. But I saw a lot of positive comments. But yeah, I saw negative ones as well. I d- I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it is people not liking your commentary. I think it's people not being able to comprehend that someone can play snooker in the afternoon and then commentate in the evening. I just, I, it, it always comes across, the, the way I see it when it's posted, is that they're concerned for you, they want you to do better, therefore they don't want you to commentate because they want you to concentrate. And I just, I don't know, I just think it's a bit misplaced. Really. Like I said, it's, it's opinions again, isn't it? And they're not all good. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I do a lot of content uh, throughout events and, you know, I get so much good feedback from, you know, my Instagram posts and Insta stories. I do a lot of Insta lives and stuff. And, you know, um, if truth be told, you know, they're distractions as well. Um, you know, if, if people want to, you know, bracket them together, um, you know, I could probably do it. But I get so much good feedback from those. There's not never a negative comment about that content. Uh, and it's brilliant. Uh, I love bringing that side of things to to all the snooker fans and helping them see, uh, you know, behind backstage. And you know, last night I did one after the table had been started to take down and stuff like. You know, people don't get to see stuff like that. Um, and there's never one critical comment about stuff like that. Um, now that's extracurricular. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to either. Um, but you know, I, I am just trying to bring uh, good content to, to to the snooker family. That's all I'm trying to do. Uh, you know, BBC have asked me on board as a current player uh, to try and bring, you know, current snooker views and analysis to the coverage, try to bring something a little bit different and explain how players might be feeling uh, and what they're going through out there in the pit. Um, and, that, and, that, and that's kind of my remit. And, and, and frankly, you know, I think, I'm, I think I'm doing an OK job, to be completely honest. Um, and the powers that be uh, seem to think so as well. Uh, so unfortunately, guys, you know, you you guys out there, if any of you are listening to this and you are the people who don't like it, you better get used to it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna keep, 
good and good on you as well. Why not? Um, right then, that was the Masters. What what's the tournament? Let's um before we sort of leave Snooky behind, as we liked on this podcast, the World Grand Prix starts today. You have just arrived in Cheltenham, um for the World Grand Prix. It's live on ITV for all week. Starts this evening. That's Monday evening, and I think it's afternoon and evening all week right through till Sunday night. It's the best thirty-two players in the world. Um, there's some real tasty, really tasty first-round ties. Let's look at this: Mark Allen, Dave Gilbert. That that could be a cracker. Joe O'Connor. Now I've not seen Joe since the final of the Scottish. Uh, he's got Lou Hao Shan. Um, looking down, Jack Lizowski back in action again after losing out in the semi-finals of the Masters against Robert Milkins, who's a real, really good friend of his. I know that much. Uh, Barry Hawkins, Ronnie O'Sullivan. That could be a belter because Barry. He's playing some really, really good snook at the moment. Ding against Stuart Bingham. If if Stuart carries his form on the way he played against you, he could uh, he could go well there. You've got Ali Carter. Always tough. Always really tough. Love Ali. Great guy. Quite outspoken. Speaks his mind. Um, great character. Really, really great character spot. That 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 could be a good match. He's like he's never easy, is he, Sean? No, never. I you know I, we've had some belted matches uh, over our career and uh, I'm sure we'll have more and I'm sure this one will be no different some great matchups in the in the first round as you just mentioned uh, I mean Ding against Stewart that, that could be a final yeah it could yeah. Um, it probably has been I, I'm not sure <laughs> but like that's a serious tie isn't it I mean yeah, it talk about Stewart if you know if Stewart um, if Stewart carried on the form uh, that he played against me last week uh, he might beat Ding. I'd say if Stuart carries on the form he beat, he, he used against me last week, not only could he beat Ding, he'll be unbeatable for the rest of his career. And he'd probably find a way of, you know, bending the space-time continuum to turn back time or something, you know. It was ridiculous, the level of snooker that he produced. Would you, uh, would you, would you go as far as to say you were lucky to get nil, Sean? I think I was lucky to get nil. <laughs> now, one other player, Outrageous. though. Talking about carrying form on, Judd Trump has got Hussein Vafai in this one in the World Grand Prix. Now, that's a proper matchup, isn't it? Because Judd's just won one. We know what can happen when someone wins an event. They either fly on or they, they tail right off straight after. Um, Hussein looks in great form. Great, Nick, last week at the Masters. Great form. I mean, we talk about opportunism. You know, wasn't in the event, got the late call up, drawn against Mark Selby, wanders in and, 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 and gave it to Mark. You know, wasn't 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 uh, frightened of the situation. Didn't balk at the situation. Really took his chances, uh, and and found himself, you know, in a position. He, you know, he had no idea he was going to be there a few weeks prior. Uh, an unbelievable opportunity. Uh, and you know, what I will say is that although he didn't, you know, progress any further than the, the Selby win, um, that will have bolstered his confidence as well. Uh, and he he will be here in Cheltenham. Uh, you know, expecting good things. Uh, now he'll obviously have to play very well to beat Judd, a Judd that's just won the Masters for the second time, full of confidence, uh, and, and probably about to explode. But um, he's the best of sevens. Yeah, as, yeah, we know yeah. from, as we know from years of home nations, you know, anyone can win a best of seven. Uh, so I think the, you know, whilst they somebody will make Judd favourite, um you know, it, it's not as uh, one-sided or clear-cut as it might be if it was a best of 19. Yeah. Um, so there could be some shocks in there. Yeah, uh, there could. And, uh, be interesting to see. 
Yeah, it's always a great tournament. So that's live on ITV4. Starts tonight, Monday night. It's in on afternoons and evenings all week with all the ITV Prez team. It's always, always a great event. So, yeah, tune into ITV4 and enjoy that one. Now, very, very quickly, on the podcast, the last podcast, thank you. It was our most listened to, most downloaded listened to podcast we've ever done by a fair distance as well. So thank you to every single one of you that listened and that put us in the Apple charts all over the world. That was um Fantastic. You will notice a few changes, though. We have migrated over to uh, someone called Acast. Uh, they've now placed adverts on the podcast. So a couple of adverts at the start, a couple in the middle, a couple at the end, all being well if it all works, Sean, it doesn't always work, does it? If it all works. Um, Don't include me in this, Phil. You're the tech genius. Yeah, and that's exactly the problem, I think, because <laughs> I'm really not the tech genius. So there will be adverts at the start, the middle, and the end. Hope they're not too much for a pain in the bum. Um, they're only very brief, and, and they are there. So they're about to pop up. After those, we will have Sean's rant. Well, last time it lit up social media a little bit, but with everyone supporting him again. So we will see what he's got to say after these few words. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the 147 podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's the words, at 147pod. There we go. And we are back in the room. Right. Your last rant, Sean. Your last rant was about hygiene, about people not washing their hands when they go to the toilet. And we were flooded with people who were at the Masters at Ali Pali saying, you are spot on. No one here is washing their hands in the toilets. Disgusting. Horrific. Um, Yeah, listen, it's a problem. And, like, without going too serious, you know, I'm not uh, Dr. Chris Whitty or anything. Um, But, like, it's just, it's a problem. What's wrong with, wash your hands for crying out loud. It's just weird, isn't it? I'm sorry, it's alien to me. I go to the toilet, I wash my hands. And that I've got to say, since I did feel a pressure in Ali Pali to do it though, <laughs> I went to I went to toilets in Ali Pali and I came out and I'm like, right, I need to make sure I wash my hands properly, thoroughly, just in case there are there's anyone here who listens to the podcast and they're watching me coming out of that stall. It's like <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? That's just weird. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Right, yeah. it is time for your rant, Sean. You will have one minute and forty seven seconds from the moment I say rant until you hear the klaxon. The magician, Sean Murphy, are you ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one, rant. Okay, well, all my rants recently have garnered quite a lot of support, and I don't think this is going to be any different. This is, you know, this isn't niche, but this is something that, you know, everyone encounters from time to time. And when it's happened, and if this has happened to you, 
you will know how infuriating it is. Picture the scene. It's Friday night. As you and your wife or your husband or partner, you've gone out with another couple. You're having a lovely night out. You've got the babysitters in. You go to the restaurant. It was hard to get in this restaurant. It's got a big reputation. You sit down. The waiter comes over and wants to take your order. You've been scanning the menu. It's the type of restaurant you've been scanning the menu for weeks in advance. That's the type of restaurant it is. You know, it's one of those special places. The waiter comes over. Okay, I'd like to take your order. And you, you all order starters. You all order main courses. That's eight dishes the waiter has had to take. They've taken drinks orders, eight dishes, and they've not produced a pen or a pad, an iPad, nothing. It's all gone in their memory. They look at you as if, why are you giving me that scathing? Look, of course I can remember all of this information. I can remember how you all wanted your steak. I can remember every single drink order. I am a genius. And they wander off. And you know for a fact that at least three things are going to be wrong on that order. Last time this happened to me, not only were the drinks wrong, the starters were wrong, all the mains were wrong. And I ended up saying to the fella, like, what was wrong with pen and paper? What was wrong with it? You know, none of this ever used to happen. Now, I appreciate that, you know, this doesn't happen every day. This certainly doesn't happen every time. But when you're out there in a nice place, nice restaurant, just take it down. Go old school. Okay, right. A couple of things. Little Lord Fauntleroy over there, right? Just, just first of all, those hardworking people in hospitality have had an absolute nightmare during the pandemic, right? And, oh, did they get the wrong starter for you, Sean? Or did they? Oh, are you going to be all right, Sean? You don't get this at home when Cook's making you food, do you? She never gets it wrong, does she? No. No, she no. never gets it wrong. No. No. Um, you can't play the pandemic card on me now, Phil. <laughs> That's old news. Do you know what? I'm actually with you. Just, just go to a different restaurant, though, Sean. Just go somewhere where they write them down. Come on. Now, when you came to York, I took... Have you never yeah, experienced it? I have had this. I have had this. I took you to a lovely despite, place in York. Despite because because unlike most people who listen to this podcast, I actually know you, <laughs> and I know that you've possibly got less tolerance than I have for these types of things. I know that this would boil you from the inside when this happens. Yeah, but I choose to not publicly rant about them on a podcast, though, Sean. <laughs> So I can call you out on it. Now, I took you to a wonderful restaurant in York. All right, admittedly, we didn't eat. We just had beer, if I'm honest. Um, but we'll go there. We will eat next year, okay? We, we're going to eat there. I'll take you there. I'm going to treat you. And um, I guarantee you now, they will write your order down. Right? They will, because they listen to this podcast and they, they don't want to upset you, probably. So what do you think out there? Have you have you ever had this? I've had this, okay? I have had this. I've got to say I've had this. I've also had it where they've written the order down and still got it wrong. Um but I have had this where where they've they've not written it down. You look at them as if to say, "There's a lot on that order. Are you sure you can remember this?" Now I've I've done that. I've worked in hospitality. I, I, my my first job was a barman. Um, I've served food. I could never do that. I could never take an order for a table without writing it down. I don't know if it's just my memory or or what, but I couldn't do it. And clearly, some other people can't either, can they? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, listen, it's beyond my capabilities. When I meet somebody and they introduce me, if a friend of mine introduces me to somebody and you shake their hand, oh, this is, this is Phil, and shake their hand, oh, hi, Phil. By the time the next sentence has ended, I've forgotten their name. I, 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 that's how bad my memory is. I, I have it's exactly terrific. the same thing, Jeff. Yeah, it's, it's 
dreadful. Yeah, it's it's horrific, bro. <laughs> it is the worst thing ever. So trying to remember four rounds of drinks, four rounds of starters, and four main courses uh, without taking any notes when everyone's ordered different sides. Uh, somebody wants their steak rare, medium, well. Uh, oh, by the way, that's going to be the next rant. I'll just give you a heads up. The next rant's going to be about people who have their steak cooked anything past medium rare. Yes. You don't deserve to eat steak. Leave it alone. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, we, listen, we, we are we are absolutely on the same page on that one, to be honest. But there you go. Have you had this at 147pod all over social media? Is Sean Wright, are the waiters all wrong is what we're asking today okay let's move on to some listener questions right now i i put a post on social media asking for listener questions we've had absolutely tons of them so we won't get them all in today okay we we try and keep the podcast about an hour and we don't like to go on too long so we'll get some in today i will hold some over for the next one uh, possibly even the one after as well but um Thank you to each and every one of you that have sent them in. We do appreciate it. You you know, you make the podcast. I've said this before, and the questions for me are the best bit. So, um, yeah, thank you for those. Right, we begin with Liam McMullen on Facebook. Uh, thank you both for the time and work you put into the podcast. It's an excellent addition to the current snooker contest out there. That gets your question on, Liam, straight away. Um, about... Oh, it all goes downhill from it. I've not read this. About your upcoming parachute jump... Why is he gone and why has he brought the mood down like that? Why is he gonna okay. Will you both be in the same plane? I would have thought so. Quite possibly. If so, do for, you have a for a period of for a period of time anyway? I don't know. Apparently you is it right? You've emailed John McDonald and asked for extra leg room in the place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you want to be in first class? <laughs> Very unlikely I'll be letting you in my private plane, Bill. I'll go Very business unlikely. business class, please. Um, will you both be in the same plane? If so, do you have a preference who jumps first? And if not, how will you decide? Rock, paper, scissors? That's a that's a good question, actually. I think you can jump first, and then I can just land in the plane. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll video you from above, just dropping out of the sky. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say this, right? I've got to say this. I mean, I'm happy to go first or second. It doesn't bother me, but I'm going to put this out there. I don't think there's any chance on the planet that you will jump out of that plane do you know what on the contrary as it's getting more real i'm actually getting more excited about it i'm actually almost starting to look forward to it now yeah almost is the key word there (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you what then how's about this right we we get up there we we go to salisbury on the day if one of us doesn't jump, what's the forfeit? Yeah, I, I actually don't mind where this is going because I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to mess around with this, right? That there is a there is a chance. There is a chance that one of us, two of us, may bottle out of this. That I, I'm not. I'm not going to kid anybody. Like you know, I am absolutely terrified. <laughs> Of what we agreed to do. I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to be big time about it. There is every chance that come the moment of of, of jump it that I'll just say no. Um, I'm a D-list celebrity. Get me out of here. Uh, there's, a, there's a very very strong chance that that's going to happen. So I think I like the forfeit idea. I, I think we should have something because we should do something. Um, we should jump out the plane. But, yeah, we but if we don't. 
Uh, yeah, there should be some forfeits. So come on then, because uh, I let you off. Snooker's biggest loser. I let you off the forfeit at the end of that, didn't I? I, I didn't. I didn't put you through a forfeit. I was nice, but this time I think yeah, we you, need. I think we need one. I think we need one there. Now I remember. I remember there being a bath of beans outside the crucible <laughs> mention. <laughs> I didn't do it though, did I? I didn't. I was nice. Come no. on, what, what what can we have? What can the forfeit be if one of us doesn't jump? Once we get up well, there. I think that's a I think that's a good one for the listeners. I think, guys, I think if you've got any suggestions uh, for potential forfeits for one of us or both of us, if we don't jump out of the plane, um, what could a forfeit be? Get in touch with us on any of our socials at one four seven pod, uh, and um, and and let us know. You know what 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 would you like to see if we if we if for whatever reason our nerve fails us, what would you like us to do as a substitute? Now, this is probably a really great time to remind you that your good friend, Mark Allen, listens to this podcast. And Mark Allen, he knows his forfeits, doesn't he? Do you remember? What what was that stuff he oh. made Kyle eat? Oh. <laughs> was it fermented herring or something? <laughs> it was disgusting. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I, I know what they're... I, know, I, think, I, think, I don't think they shut the hotel down, but they shut the floor oh. down of that hotel. It just seems grotesque. Absolutely horrific. Yeah, no. Listen, listen. This is a this is a this is a risk, isn't it? I I, I am terrified of it. I've got to be honest. Absolutely terrified of what we've said we're going to do. Um, it's another fine mess you've got me into, Seymour. <laughs> so come on then, everyone out there, including the pistol, Mark Allen, because he does listen. He was talking to me about it last week. What could the forfeit be at one four seven pod across all social media? If if one of us gets there. Is is fit and able to do it, okay? Um, but bottles it. What's our forfeit? We we try to raise awareness for Future Pathway, an amazing not for profit organisation. What's our forfeit if we don't do the parachute jump at one four seven pod across all social media? Anyway, Sean, next question. Okay, Niall Greenfield on Facebook. If we had to remake Snooker Loopy and could choose four players each, who would we choose? Oh, wow. That's an interesting question. Go on, then. Have you got your four? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to be a bit self-indulgent. I'm going to choose me. Well, I think it's you plus four, isn't it? Oh, is it? Right, okay. Well, I'm on the, I'm on the piano. That's me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the piano. Okay. Like one of, like, Chaz or Dave. I'm not sure which. Was it Chaz or Dave played I, piano on Snooker Loopy? Honestly don't know. No. Does anyone... Does anyone know which one was Chaz or Dave? I don't know, but you know, I can tell you a very, a very interesting fact about Chaz and Dave. I mean, you can be the judge of that. I'll, I'll be the judge of that. Um, <laughs> the 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 Eminem song "My Name Is." There's a loop. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a loop that plays in that. Dum da da dum da da dum. A loop that plays in that. That's Chaz and Dave. It of was. Of course, it is. It was Chaz and Dave who were playing as session musicians. I think for Labby Sifri, back in the seventies, early eighties, they were playing as session musicians, and it was them that was playing on that track that Eminem then sampled and used in the song "My Name Is." Do you know? Do you know? Just because we've got this podcast, Phil, and it's our it's our conduit to the world, you do have to tell the truth on it. You know, you uh, can't just say things. You you may look that one up. It was Chaz and Dave playing as session musicians. I, I think for Labby Sifri. If I'm wrong on the Labby Sifri, call me out on it. I think it was Labby Sifri, and it was sampled by Eminem, and that was Chaz and Dave playing on that. So there you go. So anyway, 
Four players All to right, do well, snooker loopy. Who are you having? I'm going for myself, Mark Selby, because uh, he's a bit of an after-party crooner. Uh, this is going to surprise a few people, this next one, uh, but I've shared many a car journey with him, and I can vouch for it. He's actually got a very nice singing voice. Matthew Selt. Matt Selt? Excellent singer in the Former car. Indian Open champion, Matt Selt. Okay. Current Indian Open champion. Oh, yeah, because he's never been played since. Okay. Dominic Dale, obviously. I think Dominic's got to be in there, yep. And I, this is a wild card, because I, I can't remember whether I've heard him sing or whether I'm making a massive assumption about his nationality and that they can all sing. And I'm going for Jackson Page. Oh, that that could be a shout, actually. I, I, I think I might have pulled on out. And you know, I think between us, not only would that be an unreal remake of Snooker Loopy, it would possibly be the most handsome boy band of all time. <laughs> sorry, sorry, did you use the word handsome in there? Or was it something, did I mishear that? Or? Yeah, no, there is nothing wrong with your connection. <laughs> well, personally, yeah, Selby's got to be in there, okay? You, you've got to have Selby. I think you have got to have Dominic Dale. I'm, I've got to agree with you on two of those. I'd like to hear another voice, though. I think Ding... I think you drop Ding in there, and then you crack the Chinese market with it as well, obviously. Um, now, that's a purely commercial choice. Well, I'm going to go another commercial choice as well. I'm going to go a bit Eurovision on you, and I'm going to throw in Luca Brassell. Wow. I think I think uh, Luca hey. Brassell could bring the Eurovision magic to Snooker Loopy. I'm so pleased that you said Eurovision, because for a moment you said Euro, and I when you said Eurovision, I heard Euro trash. <laughs> it could well be. It could well be Euro trash. Anyway, great question. Thank you, Niall. Let's move on. David Hedrick on Facebook. I like this one. Snooker or otherwise, are there any gamesmanship stories you can share with us? Now you've told us before about the the unscrew, unscrewing your cue and that kind of thing. Um I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you one from rugby. I was at a, a rugby league match yesterday, stadium announcing back at Wakefield for my 15th and final year. And in rugby, there's there's a bit of an unwritten rule, really, that if if a player loses their boot from the opposing team, if their boot comes off and you get chance to, you pick that boot up and you throw it as far away as possible. And I've seen really? it so, I've seen it so many times. <laughs> That's and so that, sporting, that, that is at every level as well. I've seen that in Super League. I've seen that right at the top of the game. In fact, I saw it in an international game once, okay? So a player loses their boot, they tackle them on the floor, another player will pick their boot up and they will absolutely launch it. And these guys can God. throw. They can get some distance I, on something like that. I am here for that. I love that. It takes a player out of the game. It takes a player out of the game because not only do they have to put their boot on, they've got to go get it whilst wearing one boot so their other foot's getting soggy and, and wet and muddy. It's brilliant. Absolute genius. So come on then, any other, what other gamesmanship can you can you let us into, Sean? Yeah, there, 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 there's one, and, it, and it's a story I've not shared publicly, uh, and I'm I'm not going to name the player. Um, suffice to say, it's a player that's no longer on tour, um, but but was until fairly recently. Um, and this was way back, I'm going to say around 2011, 2010, something like that. Uh, this player and I had had a couple of run-ins, and this was in the early days of the PTC events, which had just been created. And this event was played at the EIS in Sheffield. 
um, behind closed doors, the only people in the cubicle watching us play was myself, my opponent, and the referee. Uh, incidentally, and it's part of the story, the referee, um, the referee was brand new. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, anyway, it's a best of seven, and some way through the first frame, my opponent, every time I'm at the table, starts chalking his cue, which in snooker parlance is a no-no. Yep. You know, you do that in the snooker club where we all grow up. Someone's going to ask you to stop if you do it again. Someone's going to take you outside and, and have a strong word with you. That's, that's the, <laughs> they're the rules of the street. You know, that, that, that's the rules we grew up on. If you're going to try and cheat and put someone off by chalking your cue whilst they're on the shot... That's the height of rudeness in snooker. So uh, this player and I had had a bit of a run-in in a previous event, very recent to this incident. I get down to play a shot, starts chalking his cue on purpose to put me off. I stand up, I get back there. It's clear that he's, he's put me off. I get back up, I start again. And this happens for a, a, at least a frame and a half. So, so I'm slowly, well, I say slowly, very quickly reaching boiling point. Um, and, you know, there was a, as I said, there's a bit of a backstory to it. Um, but I, I am starting to boil over at this point. And halfway through the second frame, uh, he's done it again. And I've turned around to him and I've gone over to him in his corner. This is in play. No cameras. This was, this was before streaming. Nobody witnessed it except us three. And I went up to him and I said, if you chalk your cue whilst I'm on my shot again, I will shove that chalk <laughs> up your ass. <laughs> At which point the referee, who's this is his first ever match, tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'm sorry, Mr. Murphy, but you can't speak to your opponent like that. And I said, well, you'd better tell him, otherwise it's going up yours as well. <laughs> Is this where the new style chalks round as opposed to be in a cube? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, suffice to say that referee was never seen ever again. So oh. I don't remember. I don't remember the referee. Uh, I don't remember his name, which I apologise for. Uh, and um, I have apologised for this uh, many many years ago. But again, I hold my hands up and apologise. I was bang out of order. Um, <laughs> but I did boil over. I lost it completely. Well, fair enough. There you go. So there's a bit of gamesmanship for you. Sean? Uh, right. Um, with Jake Gordon on Twitter, should they bring back Power Snooker? Right. Now, for those people that, that aren't aware, Sean, just tell us what Power Snooker is or was. So Power Snooker was a, a version of Snooker created maybe 15 years ago or so. Uh, it was different rules. Think, think the shootout... Uh, but crazier. Uh, you know, it was power zones. You got double points for potting certain balls. There were areas of the table with if they got the cue ball in, it was worth more. Um, you know, it was bright lights, you know, dancing girls and all the rest of it. It was, it, you know, it, it had all the it had all the elements of, of being successful, um, uh, but somehow managed to, to sidestep it. Yeah. Um, it had a couple of iterations. It was tried at least twice. Yep. Um, it didn't work. Uh, and so I'm going to say uh, it's a no from me. I think there is actually a move to try and bring it back at the moment, which is maybe what's, what's risen the question. Um, I know there was someone looking at possibly bringing it back 
It's a no for me as well, uh, unfortunately. I, I don't know. It's, it's just not for me, but there you go. So, Jake, the answer from us is no, but what do you think? If, if you saw Power Snooker, do you think they should bring it back? Um, Gordon Ross on Facebook says, is there any way to buy, anywhere to buy Snooker Top Trump cards? Now, I loved Top Trumps when I was a kid. It was brilliant. There was top, I've never seen a Snooker one, have you? Never. No, never seen it. It's unbelievable how, how pertinent this is because... Steve Davis, Hazel Irvin, and myself were talking about this in studio three days ago. Oh, really? Off, yeah, off mic, whilst play was in action, because you have a lot of downtime. We're talking about all sorts. Uh, and we were discussing how good this would be as a little feature. If we could have, you know, the top trump sort of, you know, digital card of a player versus a player uh, and, and see how they matched up. Uh, not to my knowledge, I, I don't know that there's ever been a, a snooker top trumps. I don't know that there is one out there at the minute. But it's, it, it is quite a surprise that Matchroom back in the 80s didn't bring them out. You know, you'd think if they were going to bring them out, they would have done, bearing in mind some of the crap they did bring out. <laughs> if they didn't, I'd, I'd actually be surprised. I would, I would guess back in the 80s, there's, there's probably a top trump. Someone will tell us, someone out there in the, the Twitter sphere or wherever will tell us that there was at some point a top trumps and... I don't know, Ray Reardon was probably the, the card to have, I'd have thought back then. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd be amazed if there hasn't been at some point, but certainly not recently, I would suggest. Okay, uh, Amanda Davey on Facebook has gone in touch. She said, what is the worst CD that you'll admit to owning? Oh, well, as, as you know, my taste in music is impeccable. So I don't think I've got any bad CDs. Um and that's then that's the problem, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've got a couple of Christmas ones, which I mean, I've I've gone a bit digital now, but I do still have CDs in my car and a CD player in my car, and I have Christmas CDs, which the first of December I put in my car and I play Christmas music to make me more Christmassy. So possibly those. I'd suggest just on the topic of music and snooker, though. There was a tweet last night, um, badly drawn boy, former Mercury Music Prize winner, and friend of Neil Folds. Um, I'm actually going to see him in April in Leeds. Badly drawn by, massive fan of his. He loves his snooker. And he tweeted last night, um, why do the BBC always do this? They have a Masters highlight show every night of the week, apart from on the Sunday when the final is. So I get in late and can't watch the highlights. I mean, clearly, I think he he, he ended his tweet with angry snooker fan from Charlton. <laughs> and... Obviously, he's never heard of the iPlayer. <laughs> so, Damon, badly drawn boy. Come on, son, the iPlayer, get on there. But, yeah, I thought that was quite funny to see a, a, a top musician moaning about the fact that the BBC highlight show wasn't on. I do know what he means, though, actually. It's funny enough because, you know, obviously being working with BBC all week, you're getting scheduled through and, you you know, the night before, you know, who's in comms on watch session and are you going to be, okay, you're filming that with Seema for the highlights show. And, of course... The final night is the only night where the highlights doesn't happen. He's absolutely right. But why not? I've got and a theory it, on this. I've got a theory well, on this. It happens in a lot of other sports, you know. Yeah, but what, what time's a highlight show normally? About midnight? Yeah, I know. You don't probably end up being a live show. It, well, this is the thing. It, 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 how many finals go, go past midnight? Quite a lot do in the, in the Triple Crown events. So that's BBC. Yeah. So it could well be because the show's still on air. So there's, there's no time to produce that show you know there's everyone's busy working on the actual live output so i would have thought it's that but badly drawn boy damon come on son get on the iplayer it's all on there right we'll have one more listener question and then our pointless question which has been sent in from a listener now this is this is quite an interesting one for me john murray on facebook 
He says he's our first and only New Zealand listener. No, you're not, John. Someone wrote in last week, or two weeks ago, who was from New Zealand, so you're not. But thank you, thank you for listening from New Zealand anyway. Um, he says, does Sean know the science behind the new type of chalk? Well, I, you know, I wouldn't claim to know the in-depth science. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I won't be, you know, releasing the articles on it and the published works on it. But I, genuine, generally, um, Tawan produce uh, makes and, and and types of chalk uh, that produce less friction. Um, the chalk doesn't fall off the tip as much, doesn't transfer to the ball as much, doesn't transfer to the cloth as much. So the cue ball and the other balls are picking up less chalk debris, i.e. friction, as they travel around on their journey around the table. The chalk itself is a reduced friction product. Um, and as we know through testing, it is an increase in friction that causes kicks and what we call bad bounces, where the ball hits the cushion and comes off the cushion either faster or a squarer angle than the player expects. Those uh, phenomenons are caused by excessive friction. So Tawam have come out with this reduced friction chalk. Uh, it does what it says on the tin. The first few types of it, you know, version one and two, did lead to the odd uh, increase in miscues. That was apparent very early on. Most players chalk every second or third shot. With Tawam, you do have to chalk a bit more regularly. Um but as the versions have got better, we're up to V10 now. Um, V10 performs just as well as any form of traditional chalk that we've ever used. Reduces fr friction, reduces kicks and bounces, uh, and um, is by far and away, in my opinion, the best thing to have been invented for snooker ever. So there you go. So our friend in New Zealand, the short answer is no, Sean doesn't understand the science behind it, but it works. And that's, that's all we really need to know. Imagine how long the answer would be if I did know. <laughs> Far too long. They're the listener questions, right? We've got loads of questions left in the back. If you have got a question, send it to us, but we have got a lot backed up there um, at 147pod, all over social media. Just time now, though, Sean, for our pointless question. Now, this was sent in. Now, this one's for you, actually. This, this isn't for us both, really. I think this one's just for you. This was from Peter Jones on Facebook. And his pointless question is... Would you rather play on a normal-sized table with a six-inch queue or a swimming pool-sized table with a normal queue? What are you going with? Well, the only thing that's not clear in the question is how big the swimming pool is. Are we talking, you know, friends who've emigrated to Australia, the pool in their back garden? Yeah, are I would we say we're not talking a 50-metre Olympic pool. We're not, <laughs> we're, not, we're not talking Olympic pool. I'd, I'd say we're talking 20-metre pool. Okay. Uh, well, on that basis, I'm going to go for the swimming pool size table and a normal queue. Oh, wow. But, yeah. No, what would you go for? I would have gone normal table six-inch queue, but I can see why you have. Because at least you can, your aim's still normal. I want to know if the balls are being scaled up with that table, because if they are, that's, that's going to look immense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be like that... Uh, uh, the snooker football hybrid thing you get at the world champs every yeah, year. They yeah, yeah. Snooker balls out. <laughs> like that. So there you go. There's your answer. It would be a normal sized queue and a swimming pool sized table. 
Right, Sean, that was the podcast. That was the 147 podcast. We are just over the hour, so we, we've just about kept where I want to be. All the best for the uh, World Grand Prix this week. I'm not there this time, but enjoy it. Have a great first round against Ali Carter, and then on from there, Sean. Thank you very much. And we will be back in two weeks' time. There is snooker coming thick and fast. Now, there is loads of snooker to come. We've got the World Grand Prix. There's a shootout. There's the German Masters. There's the Welsh. There's so much snooker to come. So watch it all on TV. If you've not been to live snooker, buy some tickets. Get to wst.tv forward slash tickets. My next event is the Welsh Open. I'll be there for the last three days. So if you do get tickets for that, I shall see you there. But for now, enjoy the World Grand Prix this week. Sean, play well. I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you very much. Take care. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. That was the 147 podcast with Sean Murphy and Phil Seymour. If you enjoyed what you've just listened to, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and interact with us across all forms of social media at 147pod. That's all words at 147pod. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.